0: You're listening to the Healthy Essentials Podcast, episode number 27. We are talking with my good friend, my teacher, and a mentor of mine, Megan Telpner. We are talking about living a life without labels, and Megan is guiding us. So she is taking the world by storm with her passion for teaching others how to radically improve their health using whole foods cooked in the most nutritious ways possible. The Best part is it's usually from the comfort of your own home. Her simple yet brilliant approach to food and using it for its nutritious benefits has propelled her to create the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. Megan's the founder of the ACN, uh, a 14 week cooking school that teaches students the ins and outs of healthy, wholesome living and eating. After battling her own health challenges and overcoming Crohn's disease, Megan is on a mission to serve the world the healthiest, most nutrient dense food on the planet. She abandons all the food and diet labels, establishes morning routines that uh, start her day off on the right foot and infuse energy and passion into all that she does. Get ready to meet one of my favorite health and wellness advocates. So one thing that I do want to share before we jump into the podcast episode is I want to read a review from one of our incredible incredible human beings who left a little love note for us. So if you haven't already written review or rated the show, please take a moment or two to do so. It helps me immensely when it comes to essentially driving traffic to our podcast so people can find us. It makes a world of a difference whether you know it or not. And I am so thankful to those of you who've taken a moment out of your day. So without further ado, I'm going to read a Podcast. My name is Lindsay. I'm your host. And today we're interviewing Megan Telpner. She has been a teacher of mine for the last, I guess, three or four years since I went through the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. And I first picked up her book, actually my mom did, in chapters. And uh, it was it was during the peak of my eating disorder at the time we found the title Undiet. My mom was like, oh, what's this? Who's, who's Megan Telpner? And then that's how we learned about you. So bringing you on the podcast today, Megan, is not just an honor, but I am super excited to be interviewing a role model of mine and a teacher and uh, a fellow entrepreneur. So welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having
0: me. So tell everyone a little bit about you, what you do, because I'm amazed at how you do all of it. You are a mom, a wife, a teacher, an entrepreneur, and you have the most beautiful baby with the full head of hair, Finn.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so tell us I all about you. <laughs> yeah, so I've been in the health field now for 12 years, which I think makes me a bit of an old timer. <laughs> I don't know when that happened. But yeah, I started um, back in 2006. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which I was told was incurable. So it's actually been, as we're talking, exactly 13 years since I was diagnosed. And that was what propelled me from fashion and advertising, which is where I was working into the health field. So I went back to school to study nutrition. Um, Well, first I healed myself, then went back to school to figure out what I'd actually done. And (laughs) that you can transform your life by changing how you interact and and eat food and approach diet and lifestyle was like this revolutionary concept to me. And I couldn't figure out why in, in the years I'd been suffering with illness, no one had explained this to me, or told me how, or told me what to eat, or even asked me what I was eating. And that was really what inspired sort of the first iteration of my business, which was to teach small group cooking classes. I wanted to build a community around good food with like-minded people and just have a really positive spin on the healthy lifestyle. Um, And that evolved to where um, I was getting asked to put my classes online and the technology wasn't there yet. I actually just saw a screen. I had like a Facebook memory of 2011. We tried (laughs) to do our first live stream class that required like an entire crew and all this expensive equipment. Like that was how you do live stream video just like six or seven years ago. Um, And so then we slowly started transitioning things to an online platform. And I had a long-term plan to – Um, have a baby and knew that when I had a child, I didn't want to be working evenings and weekends anymore. And so that was (laughs) sort of a big motivator for both scaling my business and then bringing it online. And yeah, we launched the Academy of Culinary Nutrition in 2014. I had my first book come out on diet, as you mentioned, came out a year before in 2013. My second book came out in 2015. And my baby arrived in 2017. And so it's really been um, a slow and steady evolution to build what has been built with the academy, to have the team that supports it, um, a small but extremely mighty team, and to also give me more freedom and flexibility to spend with my husband and my son and to travel a lot and live ultimately my optimal, my idea of, of my dream life.
0: Yeah. And you've done such a beautiful job too. And when you, when you go to your Instagram page or Facebook or your website, everything is so bright and vibrant and it's fun and you can just sense your energy and your passion for nutrition. So kudos to you, you are incredible. And I love how you use the word slow and steady. And it's just, it's progressive because I think it's easy to look at someone and say, Oh my gosh, you've done so much. You have an academy and you know you have a like a perfect life on social media and then to see that it's been 13 years in the making and how it got started is it's a really cool process to be taken through
1: yeah and it doesn't and that's the thing like if you consider how much work you can get done in a day I think there's some quote but I always mess them up so I'm not even gonna bother (laughs) trying but like if you can think about what you get done in a day it can become overwhelming but if you think about working say five days a week for 13 years you Mm -hmm. will accomplish beyond what you're even able to imagine today so like was this your plan i was like when i started this wasn't even possible there wasn't the technology to support it and it was really just a process of uh, responding to my community thinking about what i really wanted to do how i wanted to live i think one of the biggest challenges we have now is that we see these social media accounts that again did not exist when i started And you think that like, I want that now and everything's about instant gratification. And we think that if we'll take aggressive actions, we'll get that instant gratification and you might, but it's not a solid foundation to build a business or a life upon.
0: Yeah. And there's so many people out there who are preaching like the hustle and the grind and and, (laughs) exactly. that's why I like your perspective but I think that you know if you we're always um, we're always zooming in and thinking about every nitty-gritty deal or every nitty-gritty detail that we have to do and thinking about how much we have to get done in a day and I think you bring up a fantastic point in terms of it can get very overwhelming very easily and I think that a lot of people feel that way about health too because there's so many diets out there there's so many different mentalities and approaches that sometimes people are jumping ship every each and every day and they're trying keto or vegan or raw vegan or, or whatever it be but I think that when you zoom out and you think about the actions you can take over the course of whether it be five days or a couple months or a couple years, how much change and progress you can make in both business and health and life and
1: and all those aspects. I think we sometimes need to spend a little more time with our eyes on our own paper. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like, just like, just let everyone do their thing. Let everyone be in their frantic, you know, accelerated pace. But at some point, like something I realized, I'm grateful I realized it early on is that at some point you have enough. Like at some point you don't need more followers. You don't need more subscribers. You don't need more clients. You don't need more money. Like at some point you're like, you know what, how I'm living today is really great and really sustainable. And, you know, for me personally, I used to work, you know, 50 to 60 hours a week when I was really, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word, hustling and building my business and like, and like getting things moving. But I always had, very very firm boundaries and now with my son I work 30 hours a week maybe and as you know Lindsay because we had to reschedule this you know my yes. childcare care was unavailable this week and and having that flexibility be like okay I'm gonna you know have to reschedule some things drop some things delay some things but that also gave me the gift of getting to spend a week with my son like all day which I you know I don't get to do every week because I do still work so it's sort of recognizing really, really where your own personal priorities are and that, you know, you don't need to live your life on Instagram to prove that you are happy. It's, it's the stuff that's usually not out there that is the most precious mm-hmm. and special because you've got your phone in your purse or bag or in the house and you don't have it with you.
0: No. And that's beautifully said. And I, one of the things that I love about um, kind of building building your dream life or building um, a business and and um, yeah build business and career that's sustainable is that you can play around with the number of hours that you work that you have a bit of flexibility of your schedule and that you can really enjoy those those random weeks that you get to spend with your son because your daycare provider is sick and it's those little things that we might not appreciate if everything was so rigid or so scheduled. Yeah,
1: we call it and we call it an opportunity cost. So. Yes. Like, I could, we, Josh and I, my husband, Josh, um, also has his own business. So, we mm-hmm. are away for five to six weeks in the winter and three to four weeks in the summer. So, that's like almost three months. And there's an opportunity cost to that. So, we're not building our businesses, we're not working, we're not creating, we're not doing new things, but we are reaping the benefits of the other months out of the year that we are working super hard. And that's been a very intentional decision.
0: Well, I think the other thing too, is when you do take a break and you're not working 52 weeks straight on your business with a couple holidays here and there, I think that you come back and you have so much more inspiration and motivation and ideas that you can pour into a cup that someone else might not have because they're in the same day-to-day routine and they, they don't have those same experiences or those opportunities. And so they're kind of in a creative rut. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I sometimes come back from from time off thinking I live in a parallel universe where suddenly I am <laughs> able to work 60 hours a week and I did it because I loved it and I wanted to yeah. but I'm like I want to make five new programs and this new course and I'm going to try this out and I want it and then I'm like oh right yes and then life life happens and yeah it's just how it goes
0: and that's how an entrepreneur like on how an entrepreneur's brain works really is we we take a bit of time off we refill our cups then we come back and we pour 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 and then we're like okay need to top back up again but it's that ever never-ending flow of, of ideas. And uh, what I love about you is you can just hear your passion in, in health and wellness and uh, just living a life of fullness in everything that you do and everything that you say. So I want to bring it back to where you first started. So you mentioned fashion. So I've watched many of your TV segments and I've seen, I think it was Marilyn Dennis that pulled you out. She was like, look at her. She is adorable because you're always so fashion. <laughs> that but, happened twice.
1: That happened on two different segments and I'm like really again <laughs> yeah but hey
0: it's that's something you have to be proud of because you have awesome fashion fashions thank you
1: I recently so- I actually recently made the decision to stop shopping
0: oh interesting okay. yes I and so repurposing everything yeah repurposing
1: or or just you wearing what I have I'm allowed to take hand-me-downs I'm allowed to if, you know, I'm, I don't want to go out shopping, so I'm not even looking for secondhand clothes. Um, okay. But just like, it's amazing. Cause I was never much of a shopper, but sometimes I'd feel this pressure to like, you know, something's on sale. I should go check it out or like yeah. online shopping is a thing. Um, and then recently I just made that decision and it like instantaneously removed so many decisions and stresses. And so what I'm doing this fall is I'm actually buying, um, trying to get the perfect size, but I'm buying a jumpsuit that I'm planning on wearing every single day.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. No, it's so convenient though. If I think back to high school and we had a uniform that we had to wear and it took out so much decision-making, um, and, and time out of the morning of what yeah. to wear and what to pair almost. And I was like, this is great. And got to throw on a big cozy knit sweater. Yeah. So
1: that's, that's my plan. But yes, yeah, so I, I, and I love the creative aspect of it. I loved fashion. I love combining textures and color and trying new things. And I love vintage. And I love, you know, I love when I had the time, like going through the racks and finding like great finds. And I love that. Mm -hmm. Now it's just not a priority to me. And that love of texture and color and creation, I ended up channeling into recipe development.
0: And it's, you can see, you can see it on your Instagram, on your website, all of your recipes are are beautiful. And I was, that's the exact tie that I was going to make was the texture, the color um, and the variety, but the vibrancy in everything that you do. So you started in fitness or fitness, right? You started in fashion and then you migrated to food. Can you walk us through what happened at the very beginning stages? So you mentioned that you were diagnosed with Crohn's disease and that it was incurable and kind of go from there.
1: Yeah. So I... I never actually ended up working in fashion. I ended up, um, what actually happened was through the course of being in a four year degree in fashion, I realized that maybe that's not where I wanted my focus to be. And I actually started a travel newsletter called, it was called Chicks Abroad. Um, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And my intention was actually to just travel around the world and find sponsors to pay for my travel. And I built a website, and this was in 2002, and got some sponsors. And that was actually how I funded my travels that actually ended up in me getting sick. Um, so I gotten all the sponsors and I had t-shirts printed and all this stuff. And I went to Africa and that was when I developed the first symptoms of, well, early symptoms of Crohn's often similar to infl- uh, irritable bowel syndrome. So when I came back from my travels, I got a job in advertising and that was really stressful. It's a very hard industry to work in. And I got progressively mm-hmm. sicker and sicker. Um, and in that sort of span of three years where I had like nine different jobs, I was going to a bunch of doctors until it took three years, 19 doctors before I was diagnosed with Crohn's and 19, 19. Yeah. Because I was going, I mean, we're, we're so fortunate in Canada to have a, for, you know, I call it a free healthcare system in quotes, but, um, (laughs) But like, I was just getting referred to all these different specialists and no one could sort of pinpoint a root cause or what it actually was until the symptoms sort of got worse and worse and, and aligned with a diagnosis, which is how a lot of medical diagnoses work. Like if you check off enough boxes under a certain condition heading, then you have that condition. Yeah. Um, and so because, you know, I was told there's no cure and nothing I eat was going to affect it it sort of gave me the freedom to defy what was possible or mm-hmm. defy the authority or maybe just the cranky doctor who didn't have time to even look me in the eye when he was speaking to me. And oh. that was when I realized that I was going to have to figure this out for myself. I was 25, maybe 26 at the time. And I yeah. just didn't want to have this for life. And that was what propelled me to my kitchen to discover that room that I rarely ventured into and start learning how to cook. And it was really based on my own independent research. So again, like back in 2005, 2006, there weren't blogs and podcasts and definitely not the number of books there are today. And it was like going to the library and researching inflammation and figuring out what foods could potentially exacerbate inflammatory conditions and what foods could help. And I made these like handwritten lists of like yes foods and no foods and figured it out myself um, in conjunction with meditation and yoga and all these things I'd mocked back in my previous version of myself. Um, And the cumulative effect of all these new practices basically um, calming down my nervous system and eating the food humans were intended to eat miraculously healed me. Um, and and then I because I had done what I would to- was told was impossible, that was really what motivated me to go to nutrition school and learn what it was that I had actually achieved. Um, and it wasn't necessarily with the intention of running a business I didn't really know how I was going to use it I just knew that I needed that knowledge to enable my own healthy life for the rest of my
0: life mm-hmm. and it's it's funny how that works in the sense of we always have to be our own detectives and figure out what's going on because it's yes we can go and see doctors and you typically get bounced around and it's unfortunate that that happens so frequently but at the end of the day we we have to be the ones that are responsible for our health and we have to do the extra digging and we have to do the time and the research and Thankfully, now that there's a lot more resources out there online, it usually brings us back to where we first started, and that's what we're putting in our body, how we're thinking, how we're feeling, how we're moving, um, and what we're doing, right? Yeah, so absolutely. I, I love when you, when you answered, it wasn't just your approach to food, it was also meditation and lifestyle, and it was, it was a whole holistic approach. So I love, uh, I love so much about you, Megan. So ask <laughs> you yourself. Oh, actually, no, let's go back for a second. Um, For someone, say someone is is brand new to the podcast and they're like, Crohn's disease, what is that? Can you give them a brief rundown in terms of what Crohn's disease is and what irritable bowel syndrome is and the difference between the two? Because it's easy to get a a diagnosis for both mixed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So irritable bowel syndrome is is like really bad in digestion. Um, Typically, (laughs) and this is from a holistic perspective again, Biggest triggers are stress and anxiety or reactions to foods we're eating, most commonly gluten, dairy, sugar, alcohol, and caffeine. Um, And because of the gut-brain access, meaning that there's a direct connection to what goes on in our digestive tract, to what goes on in our mind and brain, um, what can happen is that uh, mental-emotional stress can trigger a reaction in the gut. And just, you know, as you think of it as a loop, a reaction in the gut. So if you have a food sensitivity, that can totally cause a mental, emotional break or increase anxiety. Um, So that's sort of the top level look at irritable bowel syndrome. You can contribute to it with things like candida or gut dysbiosis. So an imbalance in um, the microflora of the gut. And that can lead to leaky gut or basically in the simplified, most simplified explanation is undigested food particles entering through the lining of the gut into your bloodstream and your body having a reaction against them. Yeah. So that's irritable bowel syndrome. And that is what I was first diagnosed with. And they say that there's no, there can be no symptoms. People can be diagnosed with Crohn's or colitis without any symptoms. But I believe the symptoms are one and the same. Um, some people will progress to have an inflammatory bowel disease, which is what Crohn's and colitis are, and both of those are autoimmune conditions. So what happens with those conditions is that, and again, simplified form, uh, food particles travel through that leaky gut. That that barrier in our gut that's supposed to be impermeable becomes permeable, and our body launches a, a defense against those food particles or foreign agents, um, but doesn't know when to stop. And so what happens is it starts confusing those foreign agents with our own tissue and starts raging a battle against our own tissue. And that's basically what an inflammatory or what an autoimmune disease is. And in the case of Crohn's and colitis, it's an it's a inflammatory reaction or an autoimmune reaction to the gut, to the digestive tract. In the case of, say, rheumatoid arthritis, it's a similar reaction, but to the joints. In the case of uh, multiple sclerosis, it's to the myelination in our nervous system. So the main difference is that with IBS, it could progress to Crohn's if you have those genetic markers and there's a whole bunch of other factors that can contribute to the trigger of an autoimmune disease, um, or it can just be a temporary thing. Like you're going through a stressful time in your life and it doesn't progress anywhere. So the basic difference is that irritable bowel is typically more minor. And then when it goes towards an inflammatory bowel disease like Crohn's and colitis, it can become more severe, more chronic, um, and cause more potentially devastating health impacts.
0: Yeah. And I like the way that you describe that too. It's almost like a, our body is in a, a complete frenzy and a fight against itself, really. But um, now someone listening to this who might have a bit of gas or bloating or indigestion from, say, a spicy meal, they, uh, they're they probably sitting back and being like, so I don't have it that bad after all. <laughs> right, right. And if you
1: do have more extreme symptoms, you don't automatically have an autoimmune disease either. Yeah. Like. IBS can feel very, very severe when you're in it as well, but the best thing you can do if you are dealing with it is to determine the root cause, and there is always a cause. And most often, it's a combination of of stress and anxiety without the effective tools that you need as an individual to process Mm -hmm. that stress and some sort of food sensitivity, which is why everything I do and everything we do with the Academy of Culinary Nutrition is Mm -hmm. gluten-free, dairy-free, processed, sugar-free. And obviously, yeah. caffeine and alcohol free we 're not mixing up cocktails, but um, yeah. it 's because so often you get rid of those core things that are so highly reactive and the most common reactors in our diet, uh, and then oftentimes a lot of the primary concerns resolve themselves
0: yeah and, and that 's where you have to start right is, is it 's in the kitchen it 's looking at what you 're doing on a daily basis because over over time that 's cumulative. So, you know, the amount of caffeine that you're taking and the amount of sugar it's, and it's, it adds up quickly depending on what you're doing and eating every meal, right? So It sure
1: does. And how we're eating. So, yeah, so very yes. few
0: people these days are
1: eating at a dinner table.
0: Yes. I will also agree. I was like, I eat at my desk while I'm studying. <laughs>
1: Yeah. People eat at their desk. They're watching TV. They're watching videos. They're on their phone. They're eating on their dashboard of their car, which is not the same as a dining table. So like taking 10 minutes to actually like look at your food and chew it and pay attention to it um, and then get back to what you're doing is way more effective than eating over, you know, I know when you study and you eat, you're like, you eat over the span of like 45 minutes, but you don't even know Mm -hmm. what you've eaten. And you probably haven't, Retain much of what you've read either because your attention is not focused in either one place fully.
0: Yeah, and I—that's something I'm still personally working with—is trying to separate productivity versus having a, like a couple moments for myself. And I think it's—it's oh, it's definitely something I'm going to start prioritizing a bit more. Their re, there research
1: is oh, there, Lindsay. The research I know, is there. You are way more productive if you can take like a ten, fifteen, twenty-minute break or a walk around the block, especially if you. Mm-hmm are studying like you are, you work from home, anyone who works from home or is just starting their business, like go outside first before you sit down at your computer, do like a walk around the block, go for a 20 minute walk. It just puts you in a better, more effective mental state. And it can be easy to feel like you're being productive when you're constantly busy. Like when you constantly have something to do and you're like checking things off your list, you can feel productive, but there's a difference between being productive and being efficient. And we want to be both.
0: And well, speaking of efficiency too, I find that the the times when I have a strict deadline, the times that I have fifty minutes, that I can get a workout in. It's usually the most productive and efficient workout or work session um, that I've had yet. And what I try to do when I'm when I'm studying or when I'm working is I'll build in those little blocks. So go for a walk, or I'll make a smoothie, or I have those designated times just to break up the day. But that's you, you're touching on so many good points. And we're we're going to be talking about stress and busyness and overworking and that's one of the ways in which disease and and illnesses can start to develop but I think that that's something I forget how I how I phrase this but the goal is not to be uh, oh see I'm like you I can't I can't get the quote out (laughs) I never get the quote and I made the (laughs) quote it was something (laughs) about it's um I'm not I'm not trying to be the busiest or something along those lines but um that's so true I think that Everyone, or not everyone, but a bulk of people nowadays, especially because they're moms, right? We, we have so much that we're putting on our, their plates and uh, they think they have to, to do all of the things. So be it a student or a mom or someone who's just graduating from school and they're entering into the workforce, um, I think that their schedules and their, their feelings of overwhelmness are quite high. Um, so what are some of the things that you like to do for yourself to keep, first off, stress levels low? Because we talk about how that feeds inflammation, Um, but also just making sure that you're saying you're balanced, that you can balance life uh, in both family and work. Um, And what are some of your approaches to that?
1: Yeah, so I actually, I wrote a a lengthy post called, uh, I think it was called um, Busy is Not a Badge of Honor. And I think that we all like feel, I I think it gives people sometimes a sense of importance when their schedule is full to the brim. Um, It gives me a sense of overwhelm and anxiety, which is why I avoid doing that. And so Mm -hmm. some of the things that, I do or practice doing or attempt to do. Cause you know, every day is a new opportunity. Um, yes. But in the last six months, I've been able to schedule in exercise like every single day in some capacity, which has been yeah. game changing for me since I had my son. So I used to be super active and it's a lot harder um, to schedule in when you have a child and are still basically working full time, but mm-hmm. that's been really important. And then I have my work hours. So I work, basically from 10 a.m. till 4.30, 5 p.m. And that's it. If I can't get something done in the day, it's going to have to wait till the next day or things have to get moved around or canceled. Uh, I don't take on any evening or weekend commitments that are work-related right now. I just It's just not an option. So there's an opportunity cost to that. But the reason is that uh, for me to function optimally for myself and for my family and for my business, I need downtime, and so from the moment I come home from work, it is nonstop until we put our son to sleep. And so I need those evening hours to wind down and sort of process the day, and have that time with my husband. And likewise, mm-hmm. on the weekends, I'm like at a max—like a one activity a weekend is my limit. So there's no like we'll do something in the morning, and then he has a nap, and then we do another thing in the afternoon, or. Even like two evenings in a row is too much. It's too much disruption for my son's schedule, which will then disrupt our lives. Yeah. So I've put those restrictions on our life right now, and they're non-negotiable. And I'm not apologetic about it. It's just what has to happen for me to be calm and happy and healthy and get to enjoy the moments and not feel like I'm frantically. Packing us up and unpacking us and getting in the car and out of the car and and so many habits and patterns that we can easily fall into and it's multiplied when you have a child and like quadruply multiplied when you have more than one mm-hmm. child, um, but setting up those boundaries and knowing that you don't need to do everything, you don't need to go to everything because if you do, you're going to sacrifice your own well being um, and that. As, especially as a mom, your well-being will affect everyone else's well-being around you. But more so than what's the point? If you can't enjoy the life you're living today, what's the point in all the other things you're trying to cram into it?
0: I love that. And that's that's so true. I, I love that saying, uh, busy is not a badge of honor. And I think I've seen that on, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? One of the, um, you put it on a backpack, a little Pins. Oh, um, I I want one. See, I don't get yeah. out much, so I don't know what's going on out there. <laughs> okay, well, I there. So in Hamilton, right uh, right down the street from my school, there's a I think it's called um, the Hungry Hungry Hooligan or something along those lines, and it's a vegan bakery, and it's it's not a healthy one by any means, but they have uh, all these cool knickknacks, and one of them is there's a little badge, and then on the pin it says "busy is not a badge of honor," mm. and uh, every yeah now that, every time I go there, uh, I'll think of you. Perfect. So. I love how you break down everything in terms of just really looking at it from if you say yes to could be extra events. In the end, you're going to be saying no to self-care time and time for you to wind down and to maybe reflect and for you just to, again, fill your cup back up. So I know that you're, you're definitely both an introvert and an extrovert because you kind of have to be for, for your line of work. I think I'm um, 100% introverted. Really? Oh, yeah. I, it's so because I see you as like an extroverted introvert no no
1: I'm just I'm like a I'm a I'm I don't know I think like when I look at the like I'm an introvert and I can perform (laughs) like I'm a a professional yeah so like that's why I need that time like that's why I protect my evenings and weekends so um like like aggressively or, or I don't yeah. know if that's the right word, but I'm so protective of it because I need that time to be able to do the rest of my life. Um, yeah. I can get on stage and I can do interviews like this, which I love. Like if, if I ran <laughs> into you on the street corner and you were like, so it's a beautiful day today. And like we had to talk about the weather like I'd be done. Like I'd have to go lie down. (laughs) Like I can't handle those types of conversations. I just, I'm not interested. I have no time for it. I have no energy for that. Um, but I do have the capacity as an introvert to still engage and share and and be outgoing. Um, but
0: I need to then be alone. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. And I, I was just thinking, oh, so she's so energetic. She like does all these presentations. But no, that's a really good point in terms of figuring out whether you're an introvert or an extrovert and what kind of time you need to yourself to recharge or to be around yeah. others to recharge. And I'm also, I've- like
1: I said, like I'm also a professional. So yeah, you know, as exhausted as I could be, if I have a commitment, it's not about me. It's about the audience that's shown up or the people who are tuning in online from wherever they live. And so it's my job as a professional to deliver what they've come for.
0: Yeah. And I love that. And I think that, yes, it's, there's times where you have to be a professional regardless of how tired you are. And I am so thankful that you came on because I know that you are a busy girl, but you also have Finn is, what, under two? No, he's
1: is two there, in oh, two, two months, and he is in the full expression of a two-year-old right now. Yep. <laughs> what
0: is, do they? So they call it terrible twos for a reason?
1: We've try, been trying to call it terrific twos, but he got mad at me at lunch, and he was, like, trying to, like, sort of hit me a little, and I'm like, you can't hit oh. me, but he was in his high chair, and he kept saying, come closer, because he wanted to, like lash out at me I'm like nope I'm over here
0: (laughs) (laughs) well he's a character but he my favorite thing was the very first picture you posted of him as soon as I saw it I was like yep that's Josh's son for sure (laughs) the hair his hair is incredible. His hair is incredible. Everyone gives Josh the credit,
1: but I was the one with the hair as the kid. Josh's didn't it, grow in until much later.
0: <laughs> I think it's both, well, it, especially when Josh like brushes it out. And then yeah. you guys have a family picture. I see the color from your hair, but I see the volume from his. Yeah. And I, there is no, if, if Finn ever got lost or separated from you guys in a market or something, I think it'd be very easy to match him to his parents.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a pretty solid mix.
0: Well, now I want to delve in a little bit in terms of, I want to backtrack a bit just to um, what you were eating when you first started. So you kind of heal from the inside out. And then I want to go into um, how you approach healthy living for your family and what are you cooking? What are like, what are some of your routines to help help keep them kind of like on a schedule, but also make sure that they're getting the most nutrition uh, dense foods that they possibly can. So yeah. if we can rewind a little bit back to when you first were diagnosed, you, I know you said that you had a yes and a no list of foods, but what were some of the staples in your diet? And what were some of the, I guess, um, healthier versions of of snacks and meals that you used to love eating um, that didn't, didn't like you much, but um, what were some of the ways that you could kind of alter them so that they could be um, adherence to your new protocol.
1: Yeah. I think that like going through university, which is really when I first started cooking myself, it was like very standard, but healthier food. Like I never ate mm-hmm. fast food. I didn't have soda. Like I, I didn't eat any of that junk food. B- I mean, but I ate <laughs> a lot of like pasta sauce, like pasta and like jarred sauces. I did eat a lot of cereal, like like mm-hmm. cereal and milk and banana would be, you know, a gourmet meal. Um, But I also ate vegetables, but I also ate like muffins from the coffee shop. Um, So that was kind of how I ate, like pretty standard, but not as bad as, processed meats and fast food and that kind of like microwave dinner kind of junk. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I transitioned, it was not anything extraordinary. I basically just went to a unprocessed foods diet where, you know, the the usual of shopping the perimeter, um, cooking from whole unprocessed foods. And that was as far as it went. I cut out dairy and gluten and sugar and corn and as I said, alcohol, caffeine, um, and that was kind of it. And then just stuck with, I was eating chicken and fish and I didn't really eat a lot of meat then. I ate some brown rice. So I switched from white rice to brown rice. I don't know whether it makes a difference. It it doesn't. (laughs) Um, You know, I was trying to avoid raw food a lot when I was healing because I was seeing a Chinese Mm -hmm. medicine doctor and their sort of um, philosophy is to avoid raw food. So I was steaming vegetables that I was eating or roasting them. And that was kind of the extent of it, I was still, I was eating oatmeal for breakfast. I was, it wasn't anything extreme by any means. Uh, it's, I'd say my diet is, is more healthful now just because I know more now. Yeah. Uh, so it's evolved, you know, after nutrition school, I somehow came out of it thinking that a vegan diet was the absolute healthiest diet for me. And that did not serve me. Um, I was, I'd never carried the label, but I was predominantly plant-based and exclusively plant-based for maybe two or three years. And then, got a mouthful of cavities. I was holding extra weight. I was having trouble sleeping. I was having sort of more anxiety, nervousness. Uh, I was developing eczema on my skin, which I hadn't had in years and realized that I had to make some changes. And that's when I added more animal-based foods back into the diet, um, very reluctantly. And it was very difficult, uh, to make that switch back, but I did. And now I eat, um, really a more of a paleo type diet i eat a lot of vegetables mostly and mm-hmm. then small amounts of animal based proteins um fish and eggs uh but still completely gluten dairy free that's like a non negotiable i still actually like a lot of sweeteners have crept in since i had my son when i was pregnant i didn't have any sugar at all but like honey and maple syrup sort of crept back in, and like mm-hmm. homemade baked goods. And in March, I was just like done with all of it, and ditched <laughs> ditched all grains and sugar, and and um, cleaned it up a little bit more. Just when my energy, like I just was so tired that I was craving that kind of stuff all the time. Yeah. So, with my son, what we sort of introduced food by food, and we kept him off grains until he was over a year. He still has no idea what toast is. um I think he's had <laughs> like a brown rice pasta maybe maybe twice in his okay. life um and it's usually something that's like loaded with vegetables or a cashew cream sauce um he so he eats uh, he was, pre- so he was predominantly paleo till he was around 14 or 15 months. And we started giving him oatmeal for breakfast only cause we were sort of running out of breakfast options. Cause he has an egg sensitivity, an egg protein sensitivity uh, that we're hoping oh. he'll grow out of. But, yeah. um, so that's sort of what he has. And then we just eat whatever he's eating that week. So his, his food preferences changed, but he's really good. Like we'll make different types of curries, like red Thai curry with cod or buttered chicken. Um, And he'll eat, he'll eat everything. And that's sort of how, how we go. And the way we manage nutrient density is that we just don't have any packaged food. Everything we're eating in our house is stuff we're making ourselves. And that's pretty much the best way to do it. So we make him oatmeal, for example. Um, We're cooking the rolled oats and usually we cook it with, maybe some mulberries or some shredded apple or some shredded carrot or shredded sweet potato. And then we'll mix in some coconut butter, flax oil, some bee pollen. And then we sprinkle on what we call the mulch of ground flax, ground sesame seeds and ground goji (laughs) berries. And so that's his breakfast. So there's about a third of a cup of oats in it. And then just like a ton of other stuff. I
0: like that, the mulch. I'm taking that to Well, no, I'll, uh, I'll tag you in it on Instagram if I make it.
1: Yeah, so like that's – so how we get in the nutrient density is just using whole ingredients and looking at, you know, if we're making a salad, we will add hemp seeds and nutritional yeast into the salad or, you know, we make all our dressings from scratch. And tonight we are having a pasta and we're going to grill. Like we, we don't eat a lot of meat when we have it, so we have one chicken leg we're going to grill, slice that mm-hmm. up for the entire dish and then load it. Cause I harvested a bunch of stuff from our garden today. So a bunch of oh. leafy greens and some beans and tomatoes and mushrooms. And I'm going to make the cashew. It's a, the, um, the, there's a vegan Alfredo sauce in the end cookbook. So I make that all the time. Yes. Okay. And that's our dinner. And then, so for our son, we'll sprinkle nutritional yeast on it cause he loves it and a little bit of hemp and just, so we'd like s- add stuff in how we can, um, and just make sure that if every meal and every snack, or as many as possible, are made at home from scratch, then the nutrient density takes care of itself.
0: And oh my gosh. I, so, first off, I want to come for dinner because <laughs> mine are nowhere near as epically creative. Like, I was never even mulched as a kid, so I'm going to go back to my mom and be like, Mom, come on, where are the goji berries?
1: Oh, my gosh. My mom, we, I mean, I grew up in the 80s in in Winnipeg, you know, a small town in Canada. And, yeah. like, we never even had avocados. Like, none of that was available then. It was, like, carrot, celery, iceberg, lettuce. Like, that was sort of the extent of it.
0: Yes, greens, all the mixed green salad. It still amazes me. I had to go to... Uh, a dinner at the keg for an event this past week and I used to work there but at the time I was in nutrition school and uh, I was I was quote-unquote vegan as well and I, I have so many stories and I'll tuck into that in a second but I looked at their menu and I was like nothing has changed still their mixed green salad is maybe a handful of mixed greens some cherry tomatoes and shredded carrot. yeah and then they have an iceberg salad yeah and it's amazing then meat Lauren, <laughs> I was like oh my gosh why did I have to come to this but they They did have an alky tuna dish, which was fine, and they had I think uh, probably about a quarter of the amount of salad I would have eaten if it if I made it myself. Yeah, some shredded cabbage and carrot and some sesame oil dressing, but it's uh, uh, yes, it still boggles my mind. But now we have so many new restaurants that are out um, and a little bit more convenient options for us. So one of the things that uh, I I love that you mentioned is everything that you make is like from scratch. Made in the home so you know every ingredient that's going into it and I think it's I think it's joy that says this but you know make recipes with single ingredient uh, ingredients I believe so uh, nothing that has a food label
1: yeah and yeah and same with mine none of my none of my recipes in my cookbook for example there's no ingredients of the ingredients yeah. and everything is available at the supermarket so it's not I mean, we buy some weird stuff, but uh, (laughs) it's it's nothing that's extreme. It doesn't need to be extreme.
0: But that's, and that's every nutritionist's love is buying the weird superfoods because other people might not try it, but they're like, it's delicious. Just try it, guys.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's not delicious no matter what is spirulina. You can't make spirulina delicious.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking about that. The only recipe I've been able to make, and it goes over really well with kids, is they're called green galaxy bites. So it's a base of, I think I used dates and pumpkin seeds and then spirulina. And then I put in some hemp and a couple other uh, ingredients, but they turned out green. I called them green galaxy bites. You know what? They'd probably be more delicious if they
1: didn't have spirulina in them. (laughs) (laughs) I have actually one that's, um, that's cacao,
0: goji berries,
1: spirulina, and I think honey or something. I mean, if you put in enough dates or honey, anything can really taste (laughs) good,
0: but yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Well, and the other thing I laugh at too is, um, you You've probably heard the the whole um, spirulina has more protein per gram than any other meat protein out there, and I always counter it and say, "You try taking a teaspoon or a tablespoon or anything more spirulina, and I will pay to see that. Um, I used to
1: teach that I used to teach that like spirulina is such an amazing source of protein, it just dissolves in water so it's way less burden on your body than digesting a steak and it's still true, yep, <laughs> but you still get more protein from the meat that's just the fact of it and yeah and yes spirulina can be a great and healthful addition and if you are vegan I hope you find a way to love it because it is such an easy way to get (laughs) a concentration of protein but it's a for me it's a hard food to eat and I, I believe that with whatever diet you choose
0: there has to be some joy in it yeah. I always, I, the, I make the same face when I take spirulina uh, or mix it with water and drink it as I do when I try to swallow my magnesium powder before I go to bed. <laughs> it's like that when I, when I open nose kind of yeah. face. But um, yes, yeah, superfoods, love, absolutely love. One of the questions that I have for you is say someone was, they were in the position that you were when you first got started about, this is 13 years ago. So when you were first diagnosed Say that they don't have the same medical diagnosis, but they're just, they're struggling with energy and they're not sleeping well. They're feeling kind of like lethargic and could be having breakouts and skin. So all of that, the host of symptoms. I know that there's a lot more resources out there now, but say they're listening to the podcast and they're like, I don't, I, can, I don't have time to make dressings from scratch and everything homemade. Where would you recommend that they start? And what are some easy implementable tips that they can take directly from this podcast episode and implement it for tonight's dinner? And then maybe in the next couple of weeks
1: great question Lindsay so <laughs> the the first you have to be honest about what you actually do and don't have time for to make a salad dressing five minutes so everyone has time to make their own salad dressing and you should do it once a week and make enough for the whole week and then the next week you can make a new flavor um yes. it's just and the reason why I mean you mentioned it the reason why I'm stressing it is because it's such a great way to get those good essential fats in. so if you use a flax oil or a pumpkin seed oil as the base um then you're you know you're getting that dose in like a tablespoon or two with with almost every meal that you have a vegetable that you can put that over um so what's most important often when someone is just feeling horrible is assuming that they have not yet cleaned up their diet, it's just getting rid of the stuff that is bringing you down, the stuff that's going to elevate and and drop your blood sugar level. It's going to cause adrenaline and cortisol spikes and drops. That's going to cause the long-term, both the acute short-term and long-term degenerative health conditions. So getting rid of refined flours, refined sugar, processed carbohydrate-based foods is like a massive first step. Now if someone is say feeling like that and they're on a vegan diet then you need to change your diet. And yes. <laughs> if for for you know ethical reasons you don't want to Um, then you have to get really, really smart about it and really, really careful about it. So getting all your blood work done to check what your nutrient levels are and then you would need to supplement. If someone is on a paleo diet and feeling really, really lousy, then maybe that diet's no longer serving you and you need to maybe take a break from that and maybe try more of a vegan approach for a few weeks to sort of give your body a reset and get your bowels working really well with tons of fiber and not a lot of of meat in there. Um, So it it has to be a very, very honest look at your life and what is working and what isn't working. And sometimes it's not even related to the diet. Um, that, can, that has to be addressed too. Um, exercise is the best thing you can do for your mental health. And exercise, I don't mean like, doing a 100-day intensive workout program. I mean, you know, 20 to 30 minutes of movement optimally outside in nature every day is very, very powerful for your mood and your energy levels and your digestion um, and your skin and all those things. Yes. Um, Proper hydration. So that's another really, really basic thing to start with. Um, And then getting enough sleep is also super important. So most of us aren't getting enough. And my husband and I, Josh, we just wrapped – our, our first season of our podcast we had a whole episode mm-hmm. about sleep it's a culinary nutrition podcast we had a whole episode about sleep because if we don't get enough <laughs> sleep nothing you eat is going to fix it and what you'll try to eat or you'll want to eat to fix it like sugar and caffeine are only going to make the problem worse yes so in terms of like so what should this person eat on a friday night when you don't have a lot of time i would say get some fresh vegetables chop them up and make a salad roast or grill a piece of chicken or a piece of fish or a block of tofu and you want to season it maybe with the tofu like a little bit of avocado oil and some tamari and some toasted sesame seeds and so that you're actually just making a very basic whole food whole food meal from scratch um that's the solution and it's not complicated and you don't need to be a chef. You don't need to have any culinary skills to do that. If you can read, you can follow a recipe. And so it's really, really important that you recognize that if you feel terrible and you're not thriving on what you're doing, then something has to change. And I can't tell you what has to change. No one can. We all know ultimately the things we need to do for our own health is just having that discipline and motivation to say, okay, today is the day That I'm going to start and oh yeah, I'm going to do it again tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day because it's that consistency where we see a transformation. You know, we talked right at the start of, of our conversation about that idea of like wanting this, like taking aggressive action to have this immediate response we, we try and do that with our diet, too, and it doesn't work that way because we didn't wake up one day and suddenly everything was falling apart in our body. It's a path we've been on or the slope yeah. of health we've been traveling down. And so to work our way back up it, it's a step-by-step, choice-by-choice, meal-by-meal, good night's sleep by good night's sleep, glass of water by glass of water, exercise by exercise, motivational pro- like process to start to reverse the path we've been on.
0: I love that. And it's, it's all about sustainability. And I think back to when you first started undiet, diet, when you first started your own business, it was, you know, layering one brick at a time, it was steady and slow, but it was sustainable. And I think that's what we have to do is, it's easy to, to try to implement so many things at once, you know, we watch a documentary, and we're motivated, and we're going to eat nothing but real foods and you know, no amount of sugar is going to come into our bodies. And that's kind of how our mindset and how it changes, but it's not sustainable because it's, we're making the, the switches too fast. And I think that what you've done is you have broken it down to what are daily actionable steps that are easy. So sitting down and eating your meal, um, trying to make sure that you're getting lots of vegetables in, pick a healthy protein, take five minutes and make a, a homemade dressing for the entire week. And a line that I like to use is double the batch, not the effort. And I tell my clients this all the time. If, if you find a recipe that you really, really like, next time you make it, make a double or a triple batch and then freeze the other two-thirds of it so that you can start to easily make a rotation in your diet and that next week when it comes to rolling around and say you're coming back from family vacation and you don't have too much in the fridge, it's easy for you to pull out the, the monster breakfast cookies and you know, send those with your kids to school as an easy snack. Little things like that, right?
1: Yeah, except I don't think a cookie should ever be called a breakfast cookie.
0: Oh, sorry.
1: So (laughs) No, I mean, it's a breakfast cookie. It's a bean base. Okay, okay, that's fine. But most people, like, or you see on these blogs, like, the breakfast cookies, they're really just cookies, but with, like, some some shredded carrot in them. Um, but, yeah, I'm just, I'm just teasing. No, it's, it's absolutely true. And those are great, (laughs) important tips. And, like, you know, the meal prep part, like, where you do that double batch, um, you know, you, you need to set aside the time for this. It's, it's that important. Like to say your life depends on It's a little dramatic, but in many cases it it is true and that you don't need to do everything today or tomorrow or the next day. It's, you start with those one or two things that are sustainable and you, you prove that it's sustainable by keep doing it. And then you add in the next. And when you make a mistake or you're like on vacation and you let your guard down and it's all good and fine, amazing. Enjoy your time. And when you come back, get back on track. And what you find is that the more consistent you are with it, you start to raise your set point so that when you do go on vacation or you're away with friends, you're at the cottage or you're out for dinner, you're no longer, you no longer want to sort of check your, your food philosophies at the door and eat whatever you want. You start and you were like, you know what? I actually want to stay on track at this meal so that I do sleep well and feel great tomorrow. Mm -hmm.
0: Because I think that that's a, a great point to make. Because you'll get to a point, especially when you've been when you've been following a certain not a not a protocol or a plan, but just an approach to eating and, and healthy living. That when you're off of it, and it could be as small as a, a couple pieces of like chocolate cake, or you go out for a dinner, you feel it the next day. And that's not to, to deter anyone from going out and having fun, but you definitely feel it. And so I think that when you can get to the point where it's easy for you to go and enjoy a meal with your friends, but instead of taking the approach of having fries instead of some salad, knowing that one of your fries, your friends will get fries. You can probably have a bite of theirs, but you still stick to your plan and what makes you thrive and feel really, really good. 95% of the time, that's when the, um, that's when you're going to reap the most benefits. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I that's want to, now this is, there's so many questions I can ask you, Megan, cause you are just a wealth of knowledge. And, um, I want to go back to sleep so I remember you and yes it was you and Josh that recorded a YouTube video and your your YouTube videos are always hilarious oh my god I haven't done any in years (laughs) (laughs) I know but there I still remember you I think it was the cover that um you had the sleep mask on yeah you're fake sleeping but yes it was with you and Josh if someone is like well well what do you mean get more sleep I'm a I'm a student I work full-time I know I have three kids blah 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 and they and they feel like they don't have enough time for sleep and they'll make up for it with coffee the next day can you maybe talk a little bit about that negative cycle so what are some of the things that we can do to get more sound quality sleep and if someone is struggling with insomnia or just waking up throughout the middle of the night what are some easy implementable tips that they can do to have a soundful, sorry sound restful sleep tonight
1: it's yeah and it's so I mean it's hard for me to say like well you know you have a bunch of children in a job and all this stuff because like the days do get full um, mm-hmm. But it's really recognizing how you prioritize your time. And if you're able to prioritize seven to eight hours a night to sleep, um, that's obviously optimal. But short of that, it's also optimizing the rest of your day to be able to make the most of the time you've set aside to sleep. So what you don't want to happen is that you've got just seven hours to sleep. Like you can get into bed at 11, but you know if you're up at six, but then you don't act, you're not able to fall asleep. So you need to get rid of the coffee if you're having trouble sleeping. Um, it's, you know, first thing in the morning, one coffee probably won't affect your sleep, but it's also not helping it. It's not helping that cycle. You need to, when you wake up in the morning, it's it's really about setting your diurnal pattern or your sleep-wake cycle. So when you wake up in the morning, you need that bright light in your eyeballs. You need to optimally get outside and get that full spectrum light because that's part of triggering your hormonal balance that like now it's time for the wake up chemicals to circulate in your body. You want to be avoiding sugar. You want to avoid having a large meal late at night. Um, And probably for people who are feeling overwhelmed and their days are full, um, I'm guessing no one is winding down with a bath and a cup of tea, but instead is either (laughs) on their phones or on their computers or watching television. And you need an hour buffer time. So you need to shut up those screens an hour before you intend to shut out your lights for bedtime. And this takes a lot of self-discipline. The reality is that for most people, whatever you're doing on your computer for that last half hour when it's, you know, sort of after hours is not valuable. Whatever you're doing is probably either not your best work or you're scrolling on social media or you're shopping or, You're reviewing your emails (laughs) even and like that. So you're either doing mindless stuff that is not essential or can wait till the next day, or you're doing critical things that are going to impair your ability to actually wind down and go to sleep. So if that's the case, give yourself that hour buffer and maybe in that hour, make your to-do list for the next day, write some things out that you need to process so you're not up thinking about them so you know you've got it written down you've gotten it out of your mind and onto a hard surface that's not your brain Mm -hmm. Um, so that you are preparing your body to actually go to sleep and then you can go to sleep and then you sleep till you wake up in the morning and then you're getting that efficient use of your sleep hours And one of the worst habits you get into is if you have trouble falling asleep or you wake up in the night, then you want to sleep in in the morning. And what you need to do is have the – and this is hard to do when you're so tired, but to start getting up at the same time every single day and going to sleep at the same time every day. And so if that means that the stuff you normally were doing right up until your bedtime, you now might do first thing in the morning when you wake up or your first window of time of opportunity, but that you are giving yourself that buffer – and this is all what we call sleep hygiene. So it's like no phones in the bedroom, no bright lights before bed. And then when you wake up, it's getting up, getting out of bed and optimally getting that bright light and moving your body a little bit. Drinking that fresh, clean water um, is the first bit of liquid into your body. So there's a lot that I just sort of spun through, but so much of it has nothing to do with how busy you are in your day. It has to do with what you're doing the one hour before you're going to sleep.
0: And that's a fantastic point because if I think about, for example, there's a couple nights where I might be working late in the evening or I'll be finishing client notes and I wake up and I'm tired the next day because I haven't been off my screens. I do have my blue light blocking glasses. However, as those are very sexy glasses too, <laughs> they <right>.
1: are <laughs> <laughs>
0: sexy. Um, but I do wake up the next morning and I'm like, I'm lethargic, I'm tired, I don't want to get up. But the other thing I realize is that when when I go to do the same task first thing in the morning, it maybe takes me a quarter or a half the amount of time to do it with much more energy and thought into it um, versus just trying to finish it before the end of the night. And the other thing I found too, is um, I've, it's, it's, sometimes it works because uh, I take my charger with me so often, but if I can put my charger in my actual desk and then I have to ensure that my laptop is on my desk for it to charge, it's easy for me to keep it outside of my bedroom. Same with my phone. And then when my alarm goes off, I have to physically get out of bed to yeah. wake up at the same time and then turn the lights on.
1: Yeah. And people and so woke it, up and everyone's like, but I used an alarm for, I use my phone for an alarm, but you can get like a travel alarm clock for
0: $10. So just do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cheaper you can get it at like ikea for one i'm like no excuses friends no excuses there there you go And, well, the last thing, too, and you mentioned this was, again, scrolling through social media. I think that's one of the things that people will do in the middle of the night or first thing when they wake up in the morning is, you know, check their email. If you want your cortisol levels to be sky high and the first thing you do is check your email and, say, for example, you have an email from your boss that didn't land so hot, uh, that's one way to spike them very quickly. So what are some things that you are recommending people are doing on the regular first thing in the morning? I know you mentioned hydration. Do you want to talk a a little bit about, like, what does your uh, routine look like? So morning and evening and then some of the importances of hydration and water and and why we need to be filtering it
1: yeah so before I had my son the mornings were a little bit different but I would get up and my husband and I would each go and do our workouts um we each do different things and then I used to meditate every morning right now I've not had the time to fit that back in because I'm still (laughs) I still breastfeed my son in the morning when he wakes up um but that I use that as my meditation. Um, yeah, I, med- med- I meditate meditation. on when he's going to self wean, Um, and then, <laughs> and then, uh, but yeah, so I used to do that. Then I'd have my breakfast, shower, go to work. Um, now with our little one, the way we've worked it out is that my husband usually gets up a little bit earlier than, than us. So he goes to the gym. Um, I wake up when my son wakes up, he usually gets up around six So I'll get up with him um, I feed him and then get his breakfast started and then when Josh comes home from the gym, he finishes feeding Finley and I do I do a 30 minute workout um, and so then we're usually sort of all kind of done at the same time and and then shower have breakfast and head off to work and that's kind of how it goes and it's just that getting that physical exercise in, getting a little bit of quality time with my son, um, me having a good, breakfast before I go Mm -hmm. to work is really important and and it's you know it's it's a short span of time we use it as efficiently as we can if we decide not to exercise in a sort of more traditional way then we try and go for a walk with our son in the morning Um, I like that yeah and that's also it was way easier before he knew he could get out of his stroller and run but uh (laughs) But yeah, so we, we, we make that sort of our, t- our family time in the morning and, and we manage to squeeze it all in. We also have designed our lives very intentionally so we don't have long commutes to work. And it's obviously different if someone is getting up and has to you know, get their kid ready for daycare and get in the car and then commute for an hour and a half to get to work. Um, I can't speak to that kind of routine because it's not my experience mm-hmm. and we've made very specific choices to live and work in very in a very close proximity um because you know I talk about opportunity costs because of the quality of life and what we value and and how we want to spend our
0: time yeah and I think that's it comes down at the end of the day to priorities right like what are what are your biggest ones but I think that you guys have prioritized in terms of the structure that you want to to maintain and sustain and, and, what you want to prioritize with Finley, right? Making sure it's the most nutrient dense breakfast possible with all of the mulch and all of the fixing. <laughs> and I love that. Can, um, can you touch a little bit about like what are some of your favorite breakfasts right now? And then, uh, second point being hydration. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. Right now.
1: Um, just because of how I've been eating these days, most of my breakfasts are either like a really powerful elixir, which I love with like collagen and tons of ghee and then often like a dandelion root extract and sometimes a little bit of cacao or Josh has his own elixir blend that I'll use. Um, And that's kind of it. Or I will make a smoothie that's loaded with fruit and veggies and then a lot of fat, like flax oil and hemp seeds and, and walnuts, uh, Love yes or, and I'll put <laughs> collagen in that too um or I'll have like eggs eggs and veggies is another common one um and then recently I've been I actually buy uh like these tiger nut sourdough bagels so that's like a weekend yes. treat that are so, so good uh and I'm working on learning how to make I want to start making our own grain-free sourdoughs um This fall is one of my my goals. And then hydration, I just drink a lot of water. So I always have water. I have a big glass at home and at work, and I use a straw in it. And I fill a pitcher. When I'm at my office, I fill a pitcher of water and just make sure that it's done by the end of the day. And I'm not allowed to just chug it all before I get on my bike to come home. I have to to drink it throughout the day. Um, And water and some herbal teas are basically all I'm drinking through the day.
0: Yeah, I like that and it's a it's a good um good tip I like how you use the pitcher sometimes I'll tell people to put elastics on their water bottles so they know how many times they've um or so how many bottles they drank and a friend of mine has a bottle that I guess it lights up every hour to remind her um to to drink more water I'm like that's such a distraction but it's also good at the same time
1: (laughs) that's fun
0: mm -hmm. um it's kind of like a a disco water bottle it's pretty cool I like it. Um, okay, so there's one last question that I have for you and actually it's, it's a two-parter, but um, the first one is you can you can use your your undiet definition or you can create something on the spot, but what does healthy mean to you? So if you were to define it in a couple sentences in terms of, again, a very holistic approach, so, so lifestyle, what you're eating, um, what you're thinking, how you're moving, what does healthy mean to Megan?
1: I think that um, healthy... I think it's my definition's probably changed over the years, but I think that true optimal health is having like physical, emotional, spiritual, mental well-being to be able to fulfill on your ultimate potential.
0: I love that. I love that. And I think that's that's so beautifully worded. Um and its potential, right? To fulfill and, uh, to, yeah. yeah, Like imagine,
1: imagine if every human on the planet had the resources that are essential or necessary to fulfill on their greatest potential, like that transforms the world that transforms our planet. It transforms the energy on the planet. It transforms world leaders. It transforms everything. Um, And so for those of us who do have the resources available, in some ways, I feel it's it's our obligation to take advantage of that and obviously to help um, do what we can to share those resources globally. But yeah, to be able to fill, fulfill in our potential is an amazing thing. It's a gift to those who seek our guidance. It's a gift of service. And it's a gift to the next generation of human beings that are going to be taking over this messy planet.
0: Yeah. And I, I like the word that you used in terms of it's our obligation. And, and I say it's our responsibility, right? It's our responsibility mm-hmm. to find what we're passionate about and to fill it and to do it to our, our best of our abilities. And I think that it's, it's beautiful because you'll, you'll find people who are nutritionists and personal trainers and natural paths or even chefs or photographers, but everyone's in a different industry or a different niche, but they're so passionate about it and their work is so valuable. And that's when you get to see them lit up and that's when the world's changing because, People are finally stepping in and doing what they want, whether it's creating their own business or just creating the life that they could ultimately dream of. And they're having a ripple effect on everyone around them in terms of positivity and health and well-being um, and just supporting community. And I think that's that's what you've so beautifully done with Undiet and the Academy of Culinary Nutrition and your team. Your team is awesome. Um, So if you can tell us where can we find more about you? Um, so website, Instagram Academy, if you want to give a little bit of a brief, uh, brief definition of what the Academy is and maybe when enrollment opens up next. You bet I do. So, (laughs) uh, you can find me at Megantelpner.com
1: and I have a lot of resources on there, about a lot of the topics we've talked about. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Megan Telpner and that's Megan with an H like the princess. (laughs) Um, I've waited my whole life to say that. And, uh, It works. (laughs) And then my school is the Academy of Culinary Nutrition, and that's at culinarynutrition.com or at culinarynutrition on Instagram. And the Academy of Culinary Nutrition offers a 14-week certification program in culinary nutrition, so teaching a lot of what we talked about, but the idea of how to cook from scratch, develop your own recipes and meal plans for specific health conditions, and most of all, how to effectively and inclusively Share this information with others in your household or in your community. Registration um, for September 2019 is open until roughly September 10th, I believe. Uh, we offer the program just once a year. So I'm not sure when this is airing, but if there's time, join us. If not, yep. um, be sure. And you can find out more about the program at culinarynutrition.com forward slash program. Um, and if you're listening later, then you want to take advantage of our free training, which is at culinarynutrition.com forward slash free training, where we're making a amazing gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, sesame-free, nut-free, allergen-friendly banana chocolate chunk muffin with frosting. So that's the free training. So um, those are two things where, two places you guys who are listening can go. And if you want more podcast love, um josh and i our podcast is at culinary nutrition.com forward slash podcast it's called the today's the day podcast and we have 11 episodes from our first season um, where we talk about what we're feeding our little one and there's an episode called what the heck should i eat which is answering Mm -hmm. that question and about sleep so if you want to go get more insight from my perspective on on all that stuff then that's there too yeah.
0: And you are a complete ray of inspiration and you live such a colorful life, both in your fashion and food and just everything around you. Um, and I do want to make a, a really good plug in for the C&E program. Um, it is incredible. Uh, I graduated when I graduated, I guess, three, four years ago. Somewhere yeah, around there. I think
1: is 2015, 2015 yeah. or 2016.
0: And uh, I said to the, Megan before the interview started that cooking workshops and demonstrations and going to a client's house has never been so easy after going through your program and taking to, uh, all of the tips and the tools that you teach us in terms of how to present, how to teach, how to create, but also how to um, make sure that you're making recipes and meals and snacks that are um, adherent to certain protocols and making sure that you can, you know, customize a plan for someone who has Candida or someone who has IBS and making sure that you're making recipes that are not only delicious but they're super colorful and vibrant and that they serve a purpose so making sure that everything is as nutrient-dense as possible. And there's even a um, – one of my teachers and examiners for osteo is taking your program starting in the fall as oh, well. Oh, amazing. So, mm-hmm. I told him, I was like, make sure you carve out your homework time. You're <laughs> going to be doing a little bit. <laughs> so yes. thank you, Megan. You, Like I said, you're a complete ray of sunshine. I was honored to have interviewed you today because I know how busy you are, but I also love the fact that you, you make priority time for – a little bit of creative work. And when you were able to take the call and you you said yes to jump me on the podcast, I have never been so elated to Aww. have such a, yeah, a role model and a teacher and a mentor of mine because you have played such a, a key role in uh, bettering my health. But also you're a daily inspiration for me as an entrepreneur to keep going um, and to see what's possible when you continue to put in the sustainable day-to-day actions um, over a period of time.
1: Well, since we've met, you have put in that effort and it's been a delight to watch as your business and your skills and everything you're working on just continues to evolve and grow. And I'm just honored that you joined us for the CNE program and are such a wonderful part of the special community that we have. And thank you for all the work you're doing to share this knowledge with everyone and help inspire health and those that seek your guidance. Well, thank you for being the head
0: cheerleader because you made it a (laughs) lot of fun. (laughs) <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for sticking around to the end of the episode and for tuning in. Megan Telpner is an incredible human being, teacher, presenter, and just mom. She's an incredible friend and role model, and we can all learn so much more from her. If you're looking for more content and information from her, you can find her at Megan Telpner on Instagram and MeganTelpner.com. She's an incredible writer and blogger, so she is always educating and filling our brains with the latest and up-to-date nutrition information. If you're looking to join My Healthy Essentials Facebook, private membership group that is essentially reserved only for females. It is totally free and you can join, but it is where I share my resources and information for nutrition, health, essential oils, and all around holistic living. If you can and will be so gracious to leave a review and rating of the podcast, I would be beyond thankful for you and your time. Thank you so much for tuning into the Healthy Essentials podcast. I will see you next week, friends. And if you have any recommendations for episodes or guests or anything that you would like to hear on the Healthy Essentials podcast, please, you can either email me me at lindsay at lindsaymustard.com, or you can leave a message in my inbox on Instagram at lindsaymustard.